Amigos y familiares, príncipe y princesas, ahora están escuchando The Disney Holic Show. Hello and welcome to the Disney Holic Show. That's Mike TV. And that's Jen Diz. Today we go on a journey to search for that hidden Disney magic in Mexico. But first, we have some Disney news that's hot off the presses. Wow, Mike, when, when on earth? Did you learn Spanish? I have to know. <laughs> I've been practicing over the last year, and we might move to Mexico one day, so I feel like I need to. Plus, all my in-laws speak Spanish, so so I'm trying. That is, I, I mean, <laughs> it'd be great. For those who, I it's my best. Uh, so if you don't know what I said, or anyone listeners, it's friends and family, princess, prince and princesses. And then, you know, you're, you're now listening to the Disney Holic Show. Little fun version of our intro there. I thought it was very cute. And you also just got back from Mexico City. So works perfectly in. And we're definitely going to hear all about that because I can't wait to hear about all the Disney magic you found in Mexico. Even like just in general, someplace that is not Disneyland. I just need to hear about it. So, but first, speaking of Disneyland, we do have some news going on in Disney in general that I thought we should go over really quick. So first off, Disneyland celebrated their 67th birthday over the weekend. Yay. My goodness. Happy birthday, Disneyland. My goodness. So cool. Feliz cumpleaños, yes, Disneyland. Disneyland. There you go. There you go. Um, so the birthday of Disneyland is on July 17th of 1955, which means just this weekend they had their 67th birthday. And it was quite cute. They did uh, a few little things in the park, nothing like too crazy. Um, but they had like a cavalcade and a celebration at the castle. The Disneyland band was on the, uh, uh, what do you call it, train station. And they sang happy birthday. Oh, my God. It was very so cute. cute. And buttons, right? right? I think and people got buttons. Oh, yeah. They had buttons, I think. Actually, I'm not sure. Did, did you just use that? I, I thought I saw it. it. I thought I saw it. But I, I am very mad that Disney World's 50th was a bust. And for some random odd birthday at Disneyland, like 67, they had way more than we got at Disney World's 50th. What? Right. <laughs> it's so interesting to think about the fact that, like, even just a little birthday, we can see more at Disneyland. It's just, it's so it's a little better. I'm sorry, guys. Sorry. It is. It's the, home, um, it's the hometown, you know. It is the hometown. Um, and then another thing going on in Disneyland is that annual passes, or I'm sorry, magical, Oops, magical keys. Magic I don't even keys. know what to call them. <laughs> magic keys. It's not sticking, you guys. It's not sticking. Magic keys are um, now officially in the renewal stage. I think on the app it said 40 days before to renew your pass. Um, however, we have not seen anything yet officially out to actually be able to renew your pass. So a little interesting i thought we'd have some news by the time that we recorded for this episode but not yet and it's within that window so i am curious to see what's going to happen there um i'm definitely like wondering what's going on behind the scenes because like 
why can't they figure it out by now? They've had a year since they started the sales. I know they went through some stuff at the beginning, but like renewals, like what's going on? Well, and I haven't heard much about the lawsuit either updates. So I don't know if that's still sort of blocking the product from being sold. Right. Like, but would that be solved in a month? I don't know. We'll have to see. I don't think so. (laughs) I think it would have been really smart of them to have that out by this week so that people would not freak out, which everybody already is. Yeah. So like, well, what can you say? Um... So we're going to keep our eye on that and we'll let you know when they do um, get up. Because I am also curious because I do have a magic key and also need to renew. So we'll see what happens there. Um, And then another weird thing that happened I just wanted to talk about because it was so crazy. Uh, Disneyland's Instagram. This is now like a week and a half ago probably at this point. But it got hacked. I did not know this. Wow. You did not know it? Did you look? No. Did you look it up? Uh -uh. (gasps) Uh-uh. I can't even talk about it on here. It's so bad. So somebody hacked the Disneyland Instagram and posted, I think there was three different uh, newsfeed posts and a couple stories, and they were super distasteful, like racist comments and a whole bunch of stuff, like really bad things. And it was right on the Disneyland Instagram page, which is just like... Oh, yikes. Yeah, it's bad. You have to go look it up yourself. I wonder what's going on. Like, was it a disgruntled employee or like a crazy hacker? I don't know. They didn't say it. It almost sounded like they were, um, if I remember correctly, I think they were calling out cast members for something like mad at cast members. It seemed like that. Like maybe a guest, a disgruntled guest. I don't know. It was very crazy. Um, And it was a lot. I didn't see it live because it happened really, really early in the morning. Um, but I saw afterwards and had already been removed and, and corrected at that point, but it was just weird to see that. And it reminded me of way back in the day, um, I need to look it up and see what they, they put on it. But do you remember in Disneyland, was it around the 50th anniversary where they had those, um, what do you call like mosaics, but it was like a million people's pictures. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Do you remember that? I think it was around the 50th anniversary, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, they had those all around the park, and there was a little computer that you could go up to and look up your photo to find like where it's at and go look at it. Somebody hacked that computer and like put some weird stuff on the screen at some point. Oh, back in like, back in Lord, that time when it awful. was out. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Bored. Oh my god. People are bored. Anyway, so hopefully that doesn't happen again. They have to up their. Um, security on their Instagram, evidently, but that was just pretty crazy to see. Um, and then in other news, the Main Street Electrical Parade's limited run is even more limited than I think most of us had assumed. Uh, they announced recently that the last and final day to see uh, Main Street Electrical Parade is on September 1st. So if you guys want to see it and it's all its 50th glory, make sure to go check it out. Um, However, they are also ending Disneyland Forever. So this was a 60th anniversary fireworks show that is currently back in the parks. Um, and they are replacing this with Halloween uh, content. They don't have another parade coming, but they do have the fireworks show, which is called Halloween Screams. Um, it's a projection slash light show. And then there's going to be fireworks on the weekends. So it's going to be that style. Um, and that's going to start the very next day on September 2nd. So I'm wondering if they're just like halting the 
parade stuff to like start filling in Halloween stuff and then it'll come back later because it feels like they went a little bigger for this 50th anniversary Main Street Electrical Parade. They added the new float at the end and they have the new soundtrack and the new lights on the first float that state the 50 years. So it feels like it's like, well, it was actually only a couple of months. Very short. But this is also quite typical for Main Street Electrical Parade. So who knows? Pops in and pops back out. So that means everybody who's visiting the park in September, um, their only choice for a castle or Main Street fireworks show is a Halloween theme one. Yes. Okay, I literally tapped that with my finger on accident, but it kind of went perfect with the Halloween <laughs> Halloween noise. Um, that's very interesting. Oh, yes, gosh. it's um, too soon <laughs> for right? Halloween. It is too soon, um, even for me. And, I, you know, both of us really love Halloween, mm-hmm. but it just feels too soon. And it also feels too soon for the Main Street Electrical Parade to leave. So I'm guessing I'm going to do my Disney Holics guess-a-thon and just say it's probably going to be back in like mid-January when all the Christmas stuff goes away. Interesting. I'm thinking, right? I'm hoping it's it goes into the we'll vault see. because then it feels special that we got to see it. And then I hope it gets replaced with, oh, wait, now I'm torn. Magic Happens or <laughs> 2.0 Electric Parade, which I forgot the name of. The drugs one. Paint the night. Paint the night. <laughs> Free drugs. Drugs. The, high, uh, the psychedelic one. Yes, I I actually haven't seen Magic Happens, but I would love Paint the Night to come back for the rest of this year. That would be fun. Yeah, that would be fun. However, there is a new celebration starting next year, which has been announced. It's called the 100 Years of Wonder Celebration, and that starts in January already oh. of 2023. So I'm actually taking back what I said about Electrical Parade. It's probably going to be very hyper-focused, all the shows around the 100th anniversary of the Disney company in general. So... Man, I don't know what's going on. It just seems a little weird. That's crazy. 100 Um, years of the Walt Disney Company. And what better place to celebrate that than the parks? I'm wondering if they sort of upgrade Magic Happens to focus on the 100th. Like just add some things. Because nobody really saw that. Right. And it's like ready to go. So I realize how cool it could be to have like some super rare characters come out. Like, what if they have Alice from, like, the comics? Ooh, that's weird. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, <laughs> yeah. the original yeah. Disney comics? <gasps> oh, my gosh. And there's definitely going to be some type of focus of Oswald in there, even though he was kind of before all that. But anyway, I am curious now, and I'm excited. I want to see some good, like, uh, silly symphony characters out. Stop Ooh, it. How that cute would, would that be cute. if they have new characters out? Walt's right? frozen head is um, still my favorite, and I would love to see it on a float or a cavalcade. That would be so cute, like an animatronic one. They're going to put it in the Disneyana gallery. <laughs> it's okay if it's a replica. I'm okay if it's not at. the real thing. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> They'll just have a picture of the real thing next to the replica. There you go. Cute. Um, but this brings us to the rumor mill, speaking of rumors. <laughs> Walt Disney's Frozen Head. Um, And then also, I was just talking about the 100th anniversary of Disneyland. And there are rumors out that the new nighttime fireworks spectacular will be called Wondrous. Which is, it goes right in with 100 Years of Wonder. And it's right out of that bag we always complain about. That Disney just pulls words out of. Exactly. It sounds so generic. 
harmonious. <laughs> and then there is another one, I think, like in in Japan or China that sounds the same. But what are you going to do? Do you remember what the castle, the new castle's called in Hong Kong? The new castle itself? Storybook castle. Oh, no, that's Shanghai. That's Shanghai. Yeah, I'm not sure what the Hong Kong one is. Oh, my gosh. It's called Castle of Magical Dreams. Do you remember that announcement? We were, like, losing our minds. We're like, come on. (laughs) It has, like, two of those buzzwords in it. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Wondrous. So and then the reminds me of the but... Disney World fiftieth one is Enchantment. Still out of the bag, but at least it doesn't have that O U S at the end. <laughs> right, right. Oh my goodness. Um. So all this stuff we're gonna see roll out. I'm sure at D twenty three. Um. And the actual anniversary of the Disney Company is on October sixteenth. So. I definitely want to plan to be in the park on that day. Hopefully they'll do something really cool. You never know, That's right? That's very You cool. never know at this point. I, I was reading yeah. rumors as well that um, people are pretty sure that whatever this show is, is going to start as soon as January 27th, 2023. So let's keep an eye on that date. And like you said, they probably will announce the date at the D23 Expo. Right. Um, And then there's some other things in the rumor mill spinning around pretty wildly in the Disney community. These two are to do with the Tomorrowland uh, overlay, overhaul, I guess more so. Um, We've kind of been like slightly promised this for a very long time, but never any concrete plans, right? They haven't ever said like, oh, in 2023 um, we're doing this. Use the Disney's out of the box words. It's a reimagining of Tomorrowland, right? (laughs) There you go. Reimagining. Thank you. Gosh. I was trying to find that, but it wasn't coming out. (laughs) Um, But yes, so Tomorrowland is supposed to go through a a lot of reimagining. And one thing that has been rumored is that the launch bay will be flattened out, like completely demolished, and it's going to turn into a, quote, seating area. That makes me sick. They said for overflow from Pizza Planet and... (laughs) Uh, Galactic Grill. I'm like, I never have a problem finding a seat at either of right? those places. It's so okay. sad. And that area by the concerts that we go to, there's always plenty of tables and seats there. Like it's connected, yeah. right? The, gra- like the grill and the once stage. Once in a while, where I couldn't find a seat, but in like five minutes, if you just walk around, you'll get something. It's fine. This also um, is definitely don't need to. It's like their current strategy that we keep hearing is like, let's create these like lawn areas with seating and plugs. It's like, what? What a waste. Like Walt Disney would not have that at all. He would not. And the other sad thing Maybe is. Maybe he had the Holiday Land, but that's about Holiday it. Holiday <laughs> Land. Um, the other sad thing is people keep, including Disneyland's official, keep referring to this building as Star Wars Launch Bay, which is what it is, but it's sad that that's what people think of that. To me, that was ju- that was just like a, a random shoe-in for a while, and it ended up staying there right. for way too long. But really, long. this building has so much more history to it, right? It does. It does. And I think we should definitely dive into that once we find out if this is happening or not, because I there has been a lot of different things going on in that building. And Specifically, what I want to like go down the rabbit hole on is interventions because there's a whole lot of things going on in there. And they used to have that marble floor. Yeah. Lots of things in that building that uh, we can remember and go go down that uh, journey at some point. But another thing rumored in Tomorrowland is that the people mover will return. That's a wild one. So. Unexpected huh? rumor. That's wild. I love it. 
I don't, it's like going crazy like wildfire. Everyone is getting so excited about it. And I'm like, where did this come from? But so I'm like not getting my hopes up because we've all wanted that back. Um, however, there's supposedly a million, there's also a million rumors around like why it can't happen. Yeah. I so, feel like I've who always heard about that over the last 10 plus years is that the infrastructure is so damaged that it's impossible without building it from the ground up. Right, so. and OSHA compliance right. and all sorts of stuff. Like, they'd have to build exits every however many feet. Like, it doesn't make any sense. But um, if they had just left it there, it would have been grandfathered in. Dang it. Oh, well, that, can that. you do? Yeah, so that is another thing that we will be looking forward to hearing about more in the future. Um, and then, of course, I already mentioned in a previous episode, but uh, that to Mar- or, I'm sorry, Space Mountain will get a light year overlay at some point and then people are also arguing that like some some people have heard that it's just an overlay some people heard that it's going to be reimagined like tiana's bayou adventure similar to that and almost like i don't think so you guys (laughs) this movie is okay i (laughs) I do love the idea of space mountain having a lot of different overlays that they could pop in and out like the i don't mind that at all it's cute right like hyperspace ghost galaxy and then classic and then if they throw in a light year, cool. Right. I just want them to bring back uh, Rocket Mountain. Do you remember this? Wait. What? No, I don't. <laughs> wait, 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 Rocket wait, wait. Mountain? Rocket, R-O-C-K-I-T. Like rock and roll music. I remember yes. it. I remember yes, it. Yes, you're right. I forgot about that part of it. Yep. Yes. Yep. And then you would ride through Space Mountain and it felt very much so like... Um, Rock and roller coaster right. because it was like a concert theme, right? And they had lasers and it was like red hot chili peppers or something. That's I believe, fun. Yeah, they should do that as another their, temp- yeah. temporary. Right. Like bring it back. The sign is still up there. Let's do this. Crazy. Um, anyway, so yeah, lots of stuff going on in the rumor mill. Um, and all this does, like truthfully, rumor mills get me very excited for D23 Expos. Uh, We still don't have any schedules yet, but I did look up in the past when we usually receive them. And it's actually a lot closer than I remember uh, to the event than what I wish it would be. Right. (laughs) Um, It's usually like three to four weeks advance. So like a month advance at at the most that you get the schedule um, for D23. My favorite thing is like when the- a little while to wait still. Once the app gets updated to 2023, too, that's fun because you get to start seeing all the little I things. I keep checking it to like see if they accidentally like, put things on there. <laughs> They've been doing that a lot lately. That's so you true. Never know. That is very true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one thing I am excited about that has been officially announced for D23 Expo because we are getting little uh, little bites as soon as they're starting to announce things um, that the Disney Music Emporium is returning, which I always love because they have the most beautiful records and I am a collector of vinyl And I know a lot of people that listen to our show are as well. Um, And they just announced that they're going to have a picture disc of Adventure Through Inner Space. And I'm very excited about it. (laughs) Is it going to have the soundtrack from the attraction? The soundtrack for the the ride. That's very cool. Very cool. And like the uh, picture disc looks like the attraction poster. So very cool. I'm definitely going to have to visit that booth and get myself one of those records. But overall, I just cannot wait for D23 Expo because... I feel like it has been so long, and I'm very excited. Very long. And they just—I just got an app, uh, an app update today, and it says like, la- like final tickets are almost completely sold out. So if you guys want tickets at all, 
I think like Sunday's almost sold out now, which is like this usually the slowest day to sell out. Wow. That makes so, sense. Everybody it's that pent up energy again that everybody has for all these things returning. Wow. Right. Including um San Diego Comic Con is happening this weekend, which is also exciting. And if we get, hear any news, we'll report back next week. Uh, but I bet you that is going to be fun for all those attendees. And Marvel is coming back. They've been absent from it for a while since D23 was around. And they're coming back to do some like major announcements this weekend. Very exciting. That's this coming weekend? This right? coming weekend, yeah. San Diego. Ooh, Okay. I, okay, now I know what I have to do all weekend is pay attention to news feeds. And right, there's going to be, about it's like stressing me out, but exciting. I know. Just thinking about it. I'm like, don't tell them too much. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not going to be there. It's all selfish. <laughs> yeah, save it all for D23 Expo. And they're at the, they're, Marvel is at the very end of like all the movies they announced years ago. Like Love and Thunder and Black Panther was like at the tail end. And Miss Marvel, so they have so they have like years of stuff going on that they haven't talked about yet right. going forward. Very exciting, um, and they usually do Star Wars stuff at Comic Con as well. I think they just shove Star Wars wherever they can, comic wise or convention wise. <laughs> just sprinkle it around. Just sprinkle some stuff. Um, but speaking of Star Wars, did you hear about the man who stole an R two D two from? Galaxy's Edge at Star Wars Land at Disney World, Hollywood Studios. I did, but he stole it from a hotel, right? Oh, well, Wasn't that it? it? The whole thing is a bit sketchy. Supposedly, he stole it from a park and then brought it to the hotel, Swan and Dolphin. Oh, I thought it was like on display at a hotel. That's what I it read. It could have been. It could have been. That's crazy. It's, it's, How it did was he life get size. it all the way there without getting caught? Right? That makes more sense because I don't know of a life size that's not... Um, with a cast member at Galaxy's Edge. So you're right. Well, it could have been on okay. display somewhere. Sometimes they have one in the Droid Depot. Oh. Because they, they were selling them at some point. I'm not sure if it's still there or not, but they, it could have been there. It's so weird. But yeah, then he's... But there's one. He stashed also, it so like... at the Swan and Dolphin Hotel, which is just so weird. And then he tried to come back and get it, and that's how he got caught. Ah, people, people, people. Um <laughs> so crazy <laughs> fun stuff at, at i'm hearing that is not related to thievery is there's edible drinking straws now at disneyland and they're made of candy so you put that in your sweet sugar soda or your shake and then you drink it and then you crunch it i guess what do you think it reminds me of um Hello Kitty, like Sanrio, where they had the candies with the rice paper. Oh, yeah, coins. and it melts you in your that? mouth. Uh huh. And you could eat the rice paper, and it was so cool because we were eight at the time, and it didn't taste good at all. Not Let's at all. Let's just be honest. We have, but it was um, cool because it was edible. There's a Filipino candy <laughs> called White Rabbit. It's just like that. And me and my sister would eat it just because you can, but right? It doesn't taste right. good, and it just right. like waxy paper melts in your mouth. So that's what I'm picturing these to be like. But I don't know. They could be delicious. If they're crunchy, that might be kind of cool. It kind of, I guess. That reminds know, me more sugar of sugar on um, sugar is always weird. If it's crispy or crunchy, I'm picturing, you know, Walt, I mean, Walt, ooh, Willy Wonka, when he drinks that teacup and then he bites it. Oh, it's like, right. I love that scene in his factory. Um, right. Okay. 
if this comes with this as, as like a specialty drink so like let's say there's like a slushy and then it has like a boba side straw but you can bite the straw off at the end and it's some other flavor that works with the flavor in the drink Ooh, that would be super that cool. would be fun with boba too like go full-on intent yeah yeah boba drink. This drink. Uh, starbucks has had for a while cookie straws they're like made of biscotti and i haven't oh tried my God, it i forgot but it's about cute. those i've had those yeah and i uh i feel like that hasn't really caught on but they still have it so we'll see what options wait are. are you talking about hold on what are, did you say biscotti they're like made out of biscotti it's cookie but it oh i have not tried those. it's pretty hard it's not the ones that you get from those tin cans that look like straws that are also very good <laughs> they usually come in like a sampler pack from you know someone sent it to you in the mail uh, they're like tubes. Wow, I don't think I know those either. There are actually a lot of options of these crazy straws because the one I'm thinking of, you were speci- specifically supposed to drink it with milk and it had like powder in it. Ooh. It would mix with the milk while you're drinking it. It would turn it into like, it would taste like a milkshake or something. That one I haven't like had. Like a cookies and cream or something. Interesting. What? There's so, already a lot of these interesting things out there. I guess <laughs> it's a... So if you're one of those people who are sad about the tortoises and turtles that are dying and you don't want to use a plastic straw, now you have plenty of options. So there you go. (laughs) Hope you like sugar. Hope you like sugar. (laughs) Um, Okay. Are you ready for this news that I found over the last week? Golden Girls is getting perhaps a, I don't even want it. It's not even a reboot. It's I guess a reimagining. There we go. Um, so it's called Golden Girls 3033, as in the year 3033. And it's going to be an animated series. It's There's a pilot oh. out now that you can watch, and we'll link it. It's a oh short what? pilot. And here's the genius part of it. Okay, so these uh, the filmmakers and animators are the people behind Netflix's uh, Bo, Bo... Did you watch that horse show? It's like, it's for adults. It's very um, oh Bo Jackman Bo or something Jackman like that? yeah uh, Bo Jack I've Horseman. never seen it Bo but Jack I know Horseman what it is. yeah and it's it's go. mature audience uh, type of thing and so it's the same animators and what they did was they took all the audio tracks from Golden Girls actual episodes so it's voiced by the the people the real people what? and they reanimated it and added context that makes it so much funnier in terms of like the lines they're delivering and what people are doing in the background while someone else is saying something. And it's just genius. And it's all fit to make it make sense in this future version. They were able to get some sort of, um, they each, each character has their own reason why they're still alive. But the best part is when <laughs> Sophia, Sophia makes an entrance. And normally, you know, she'll walk in that door in the kitchen while they're eating desserts, right? And she'll say something, you know, sarcastic. And she busts in in a full-on mecha tech suit. Like, she looks like those people from Avatar that have the robot suit or also Ripley from Aliens. And she's in there, little Sophia, and that's how she's alive. She's driving that machine. But the lines are the same, so it still works. And there's just, like, chaos happening around that. It's hilarious, and I really hope that this pilot takes off um they're pitching it to netflix so if it does it would be cool and it honors them because it's the same exact voices this is giving me like robot chicken vibes kind of Mm -hmm. or something there's some show that already does that where they play like regular audio and like or i've seen it a lot for like in fandom communities in general like people will animate 
a podcast, for instance. Right. Yes. A lot. And they'll do like funny things in the background. TED Talks. I've seen that animated. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. A lot so, of that kind of stuff. So, okay. So that's what okay. they're pitching. And I think I'd rather have this than like a reboot with new car- new cast. I, I like the people as they oh, are. Oh, yeah, I there. definitely don't want to. I, they either need to just leave it alone or... Because <laughs> right. you, can't, you can't redo that. They're too iconic, their characters. But I'm very curious because there's a lot of Golden Girls content that's, like, super sensitive. So I can't... It doesn't seem like that would translate well, but maybe they'll just do, like, the fun episodes. Because there's a lot of Golden Girls, right? Wasn't it, like, six, seven seasons at least? Yeah. The, the pilot, if you remember... Um, the this episode the pilot of Golden Girls 3033 uses an episode um where Stan Dorothy Zabornak's ex-husband comes back and he is like now dating a younger woman it's that episode yeah. and they animated like two scenes from it so that you could see what the kitchen scenes would look like and the living room scenes and their their house looks like something out of um you know, Spaceship Earth at the end when you're going backwards and you get to see your animation of your future and what your life would be like. It looks a lot like that, like that Jetsons Epcot feel. Interesting. Um, okay. Hilarious. So there it is. So you're excited because you're a big Golden Girls fan. I'm so very excited. Sign. And I, I love, Good. I love, like you said, seeing somebody animate something that already exists and it, it's been done out there. And every time it happens, it's so funny to me i don't know why um drag queens do it a lot too um, drag queens like will redo a scene yeah (laughs) yeah you know my friend does drag um and they play sophia in the golden girls live show um so i'd be curious to hear what they think about this show (laughs) or like maybe a review after it comes out i want to hear what they what they think that is so funny very cool wow okay well that's different and and fun unique it is, and very Disney. So people who don't remember, um, Golden Girls used to be filmed. Yeah, they should be pitching to Disney Plus. They oh, good point, good point. Um, <laughs> the Golden Girls used to be filmed some of it on the back lot at the back lot of MGM Studios. So old times. Yeah, they need to get that original content. And remember, we were just talking about this. Yes, like Disney Plus needs to get on that original content. Here you go. It's perfect. Why not? <laughs> Um, so last week, we had a strange episode that talked about Stranger Things and multiverses and all that. Um, and then over the week, we asked our Instagram followers who they think would win if some of these Stranger Thing characters battled it out with some of the characters we love from Marvel and Star Wars, for example. Did you catch uh, some people's responses and polls there? You know what? I didn't, but I am very excited to hear them because this was a very cute and unique poll that you created. I loved it very much. (laughs) Groot versus the Demogorgon. So... I actually, well, who who would you think would win? Groot versus a Demogorgon. A Demogorgon. Really? So sure. did I. So did I. Uh, but our yeah. listeners and followers voted for Groot. He won 63% more likely to win that fight. So That might be that, like, loyalty, the Disney loyalty, man. <laughs> it could be. Because <laughs> he doesn't have, like, any fire skills, Groot. So that's the only thing that I know of that can kill a demogorgon. Yeah, oh, that's a very good point. That's actually a very realistic thing to bring up because that's basically 
The only thing we found that works for that, right? How creepy if it like merged with Groot. Poor thing. Because it's like viney and all that. Um, And then, of course, we did a huge battle. We asked who would win between Vecna, the evil nemesis of Stranger Things, versus Doctor Strange himself, Sorcerer Supreme. Well, he's not anymore, but you know what I mean. I would say Doctor Strange would win here. I agree. Yep. And so did our listeners and followers. Uh, He won 67%. Nice, nice. Maybe the same 67% that voted for Groot. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Good point. Uh, And here's where things take a turn. We did who wins this battle? Kylo Ren of Star Wars or Eleven, Eleven herself from Stranger Things. Who do you think? Oh, I actually, I actually think Eleven would win. So did our listeners and followers. Yep. Ooh. Okay. Eleven took the lead. Stranger. Kylo Ren's too. He's a little brat. He's too emo. He's a brat. <laughs> yeah, he's a brat. Yeah, he is. He is. Resistance is dead. The war is over. And when I kill you, I will have killed the last Jedi. Wrong. Yeah, she'd be way done with him by the time he's ready to finish throwing a fit. Right. <laughs> Uh, so that was 58 to 42 with 11 taking the lead there on that ultimate battle. And it, there are some scenes in Stranger Things where it straight up looks like she's using the force and the dark side, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one was really fun for me to put together. So the next one was who would win between Hopper or the Red Guardian? And the Red Guardians from Widow. Oh, yeah, that, that was so Black funny. Widow. And they're played by the same actor. Uh, so. Right. Who do you think would win that? Um, I'd say Hopper. I agree. He won 70%. So there's a lot of love out there for Hopper. What's his name? Yeah, the other guy was just kind of a mess. David. (laughs) David. Harbor. David Harbor. So he plays both of those Copperfield. David David Hopperfield. Um, And then the the last one we did was a throwback to one of our episodes that we did that was a Patreon request. And that involved Alameda Slim, who played the villain cowboy yodeler (laughs) in the animated film by Disney (laughs) called Home on the Range. And so I said, who would win between Alameda Slim and Eddie from Stranger Things in a music battle of the bands? Oh, my gosh. In a music battle? Okay, music battle for sure, Eddie. Yes, I agree. But I think Alameda Slim could yodel him to death before he even got to his <laughs> guitar. So there's that. How sad. <laughs> Eddie has so much love from his fans. 92% think that he would wow. outband, Killing it, Eddie. outperform Alameda Slim, which I am very proud of Eddie. He is a star. Man, he's like, I think, probably one of the highest rated new characters of all time. Yeah. Yes. Right? He walked in that show like he's been there the whole time and everybody just fell in love with him and he just is brand new. It's so funny. Pretty crazy. Wow. Well, <laughs> um, I have a last piece of news that is, I mean, it's news to some of us and it's regarding Bob Gurr. Did you happen to see anything about Bob Gurr recently? 
Disney Imagineer Bob Gert? No, I have not seen anything. <laughs> Disney Imagine Imagineer and Legend. Oh. Bob Gert got his very first tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. It's so cute. There's this whole post about this trip he was taking and and he's just like living it up. He's in his early 90s he's traveling all over the place and he i think he was in greece if i remember correctly and he got his first tattoo is right on his chest it's very it's pretty small and it's um a drawing of the mach one uh monorail which was the first monorail oh, in 1959 that's cute stop so that's not cute. what i was expecting Bunker, living his best life a monorail interesting very cute. Anyway, I just wanted to share with you guys because that's like happy fun news. Ooh, I want to get a tattoo. Um, let's talk about Mexico because that's when I was inspired to get a tattoo. Also, just like Bob Gurr, not of a monorail. Yes, let's hear about it. I'm very excited for this. So I just returned from a trip. I was I spent about five days in Mexico City. Um, it's some place. It's a place that Jerry and I uh, frequent pretty often, and we we daydream about moving there someday. Um, but. This trip was very unique because it was my first time in Mexico City since we started this freaking podcast. And my whole outlook <laughs> on life has been different since we started this podcast. Like I'm always looking for Disney or whimsy or magic or history of Walt. Everywhere I go, I'm always looking for it now. And I didn't before. Um, and so that's a really exciting way to vacation, especially since we're not we weren't at Disney. And this was also the first sort of non-Disney vacation and not a beach vacation that I've had since starting the podcast. So just give you that context because it was a lot, it was pretty overstimulating to be out in a big city for a vacation. Um, but I had so much fun trying to find the Disney, like I said, because I wanted to bring it back and share it with everybody. Uh, you did a great job of finding a lot of it. I already saw one of them and, um, but I don't want to spoil it. So tell us a little bit more about what a Disney-holic thinks like when they go on a trip like this. Yes. Um, so we were staying at a beautiful resort It's a or a hotel. I, I don't want to say resort because it, it was in a city. So we're in this hotel called um, Umbral, which is part of the Hilton Curio Collection. So it was a really old historic building that was converted into this wonderful boutique hotel. And um, the hotel was nice. And, you know, when the hotel's nice, I like to stay there and enjoy it and not just go out all the time. And so I had that AP annual pass brain that, what, that we always talk about at Disney <laughs> World that you and I have where I wanted to have mm -hmm. breakfast and then go back to the room, especially it's still summer. So when it was warm, I didn't want to be out. And then I wanted to go back out after the afternoon. However, I'm traveling with my husband and I have to compromise. So we did everything during the day, <laughs> just like bringing someone to a Disney park that hasn't been there in a while. It was right. up in the morning, get that breakfast because it's included and then run around from, you know, different historical place to a museum, to a bar. And then we were like conked out by the time it was evening, which was totally fine. It was really fun. Um, but I did want to have that AP brain. And that was the first time I realized that you could apply that to a regular vacation um, if if you're traveling with someone who is open to that timeline as well. So, right. <laughs> so that felt very different. The first place we went to uh, was something that I had 
saved on my Google Maps for quite a while. It's called the Waikiki Tiki Room. And they actually call it Tiki Room instead of Tiki Bar, which is very cute. It's already a sign that whoever is involved in this has some sort of Disney affiliation in terms of their fandom or perhaps a Disney-holic. And while I didn't get to ask anybody about the, you know, the design of the room, we spent a couple hours in this bar and it had really fun drinks, super great atmosphere. And of course, the bar staff were super lovely. And the first thing I saw when I sat down was up above toward the ceiling where they had, you know, those sort of round glass uh, colored balls that they have in tiki rooms. They also have it at the, uh, the tropical hideaway. They're kind of like nautical looking Right, things. yeah. I forget there's a name for them. They're like in a net. Yes, very much so. Right. And so they had those hanging all over the place, but there was three particular ones where t- it had the two balls that were slightly smaller than the larger ball. And there it was, a hidden Mickey right before my eyes. Was not expecting to see that <laughs> so soon on this uh, non-Disney trip. And it just like made my day. I was so satisfied that I could have went home already. And that was day one. I was so happy. I was like, oh, that's so cute. Um, Nice. So it was a really cute tiki uh, bar, and we had some fun festive drinks. I had a drink that that was put inside of a coconut. Uh, Jerry had one that was in a classic sort of tiki-looking mug. And they also had uh, an uh, appetizer that I've never tasted before, which was a version of... um, ceviche without seafood so it was a vegan ceviche and we again were not expecting that we were not there to look for vegan food or anything and it was made of things like jicama and cauliflower and it was so delicious because it had a little bit of crisp to it and then that acidity that you find in ceviche so wasn't expecting that i'm not sure if they have those other places but i thought that was pretty cool I'd love to get... I don't think I've ever seen any other version of ceviche right? versus just like classic ceviche. Yeah, like so how really do you cool. plant basify seafood? So they did a good job with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love to bring home souvenirs when we go to these tiki places. Unfortunately, they didn't sell any, which was um, surprising because I feel like they could make a lot of money on that if they had a t-shirt or a mug. Um, I would have been excited. Probably. Yeah. So the Waikiki Tiki Room uh, just left a place in my heart. I did take a coaster because, you know, why not take a coaster if you can? It had the logo on it. Uh, But yeah, really cool to find a tiki room in, you know, in a different place outside of Disney when we're not necessarily at a place that's like Polynesian. So very, very fun. Very cute. You know what I just thought of might be really cute? I haven't seen anybody do it, surprisingly. You can like collect all the coasters from these tiki bars that you go to and just put them in a frame, like <gasps> that would be up cute. to each other. So it'd be like a bunch of circles or squares. Yeah. It'd be really cute. And there's something about tiki bars, right? Where th- when you walk in, it's like you're exploring something. And so I like that coaster idea because it feels like you explored around the world. Like you're one of the SEA. Right. And here yeah. are your findings. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, we're talking about tattoos, Bob Gurr's tattoo. I was down there and I thought, oh, I want to get a tattoo this time on this trip. And I thought, uh, what can I get? And I've been thinking for a long time and it was the first time something clear came to me. And I want to get some sort of Coco inspired tattoo, like with Miguel. 
And it's also a little bit of a nod to, you know, all the loved ones we've lost. So the whole like, remember me, recuerde me. And, uh, right. and I would have loved to get it while I was down there. But all the artists that I found, just like in the U.S., are super booked up. What are we going to do about it? I know you want to get some, too. Yeah, I've been, I mean, I've been wanting to get this tattoo for, I don't even know how long, like 10 years now or something like ridiculous. And I just never done it. Um, I want to get the Haunted Mansion weather vane because if you know the story behind it, it connects the storylines between the Pirates of the Caribbean and Haunted Mansion. So my two favorite attractions kind of all put together and it's not super obvious. So I think it's fun to be a little like hidden Disney. I like that a lot. So, yeah. But again, haven't never been able to do it. Matt Robinson, if you're listening, holler. Yeah, there's. If you have any spots open, just say. There's so many cool artists that we follow on Instagram, and they're always booked up. And I like to get it now. So the the thought of being on their books for like 2023 weirds me out. But had I just done that years ago, I would have already had. Right. <laughs> it would've been like, oh, now it's time. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It. So hopefully one day we'll get tattoos and we'll we'll share it. Because I actually don't have a Disney tattoo yet. You have hidden Mickeys all over. Yeah, I have 13 hidden Mickey tattoos that are the saddest tattoos at this point. They're like, you can barely see them anymore. They're about six years old now, I think. So they've seen their days and I need to get them retouched (laughs) for sure. It's time. Uh, Okay, so another thing that we did while I was in Mexico City was I looked up to see, hey, are there any uh, Broadway shows going on while we're down here? And they have this theater called Teatro Telcel. It's sort of in, it's what's called Reforma, and it's their, like, downtown businessy. There's a big mall. There's a Hello Kitty cafe that we tried to get into, but it was also, like, completely reserved. I don't know what I was thinking, that I could just walk in there, because that's, like, (laughs) not my fandom at all. So I thought we could just walk in, and absolutely not. There was girls everywhere (laughs) just trying to get in and just looking in the window even though they didn't have reservations uh so we saw it from the outside side note very cool hello kitty cafe in mexico city but we found out that aladdin was playing down there at their theater so uh, this is a full-on aladdin broadway show it's the one from new york and they replicated it down here in mexico Um, So some history about the Aladdin Broadway show before I jump in on my thoughts after watching it. So they workshopped the Aladdin Broadway show as far back as 2011. And this was in Seattle, Washington. So a lot of times for Broadway shows, they'll workshop it in different places like Seattle or Canada before it's ready to have it. What does workshop mean? Literally like doing it over and over with an audience and changing it from day to day until you get it right okay so it's like a beta it's like a beta yeah and it'd be fun to live in those cities because you get to see all these theater right yeah like hamilton and all that um so then once they're ready and confident then they go to broadway new york city broadway and they debut it Um, oh gotcha so they're yeah like the testing grounds to get to broadway so it is technically the broadway show Yep. Gotcha. And so that took about three years. Uh, once they were ready, they they debuted it in Broadway 2014. It was a huge, huge hit, of course. And then it started to go international. And so there was a Broadway version in Germany in 2015. Then it went to Japan, London's West End, of course, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, Netherlands. And then most recently, uh, Mexico now has an installment. And that opened as as recently as the end of 2021. So it was good timing that I was down there. 
Um, oh, wow. And, Brand new. And if you don't live in any of these cities, uh, Aladdin is also launching a North American tour beginning this October 2022. Ooh. So that'll be fun. Uh, so here's the thing. I watched Aladdin on Broadway when it opened. I guess that was like 2014. I don't remember it at all. I had to read about it. Um, and then I started <laughs> confusing it with the Disney California Adventure version at the Hyperion, right? Like, I mean, it was really good if you're confusing it with Broadway. Yeah, it was very good. <laughs> In fact, um, the way I would compare it is the Broadway show of most of these Disney franchises are almost like uh, a celebration of the animated film. I don't, it doesn't feel like they're, they want it to replace the film in our minds. And versus the one at California Adventure felt like the cartoon come to life. Do you remember like that big elephant comes through the doors and all that? Right. And there's yeah. like some puppetry and things like that. Uh, whereas this one was a little bit more of like a combo between a live action version and the cartoon come to life on a stage with music and dancing. And so that means okay. they had to make a lot of changes so that it works um, and not too corny or weird. And so one of the things that I love about the Aladdin show including the California Adventure one, is the genie is really the star of the show. Forget Aladdin. This is all about the genie and whoever's playing the <laughs> genie, whoever's cast as the genie, has to bring the house down and make the show work. Um, and part of that is the genie gets to break the fourth wall and talk to the audience, which is really, really funny. And the genie usually always knows what's going on in pop culture and also uses that throughout the show, uh, again, breaking the fourth wall. So what's cool about this is the genie was the star of the show here in Mexico City. And because it's a regional show, he was able to bring in humor that the regional audience understood. For example, when Aladdin was like, what do you mean you live in a lamp? You really live in a lamp? And genie said something along the lines of, uh, no, I live in Polanco. Like, what do you think? I told you I already live in the lamp. And Polanco is a neighborhood nearby where the theater is. And that made sense here Very in Mexico cute. City. And you could hear the laughter and people probably felt uh, so special that it was sort of customized for their audience. Right. Um, and then during the huge number in the Cave of Wonders for Never Had a Friend Like Me, uh, that was probably the biggest set piece. It was just dripping with gold and it was so layered. There were props, there were walls, there were screens. It was gorgeous. Um, and there was a moment there where he would do some sort of inside jokes with people on the side. So what I mean by that is like they had these judges with like um, – they look like the Dancing with the Stars judges. And what I was told was uh, they were supposed to be the Mexican version of Dancing with the Stars. So the audience totally understood who those people were to, were supposed to be. And he even gotcha. mentioned them by name. So they're sort of like, you know, American Idol. We have like Paula and Randy. Uh, so he mentioned some right. of the classic names of the celebrities that they know of in Mexico City. Got a lot of laughs there. Um, he did like a spin on some of those fun like Telemundo game shows uh, where he Aww. was helping Aladdin. He was telling Aladdin, you know, about all the rules of the wishes. And I was just blown a freaking way. And yeah, I'm learning how to speak Spanish. So it was very fun to hear this story that I know in a completely foreign language to me. And, I was going to yeah. ask you, is it all in Spanish? Yeah, the whole thing's in Spanish. Most people are probably familiar with the idea of some of the main songs performed in other languages. They always do that. Uh, but I never really sat down and watched like a full-on dub of a Disney film in Spanish. So 
this was really cool because it was wow. it was the full thing was in Spanish. It was meant for a Mexico City audience. And uh, I would say I understood maybe 60 percent of it. Uh, and I would say that's because okay. of because of me studying Spanish and then me knowing the story. Now, there's parts where, right. uh, as I mentioned earlier, they had to change the story and change some of the characters to make it work for Broadway. And those were the times where I had to lean over to Jerry and be like, wait, wait, what? What's wait, happening? He wished to do this. <laughs> That's not in the movie. What? I was like real confused. Um, <laughs> and so the the one part in particular that was changed maybe for the better was uh, related to the wishes. And I actually have a game for you that we're going to do in a little bit. And we're going to talk Uh-oh. about the wishes and some of those changes. But before we get to the magical wishes, I wanted to tell you about some of the characters who were gone or revised entirely in the Aladdin Broadway show. Okay. And uh, this is also the same again at all of the Aladdin Broadway shows, including New York and the West End and Mexico City. They changed some characters. So who was missing that I was waiting for? Abu, the monkey, was not in it. There was an Easter egg to him, wow, which was okay. cute, but he wasn't in it. Raja, Princess Jasmine's tiger, was not in it. Um, I was actually surprised. I thought maybe they would do like a puppet or something, but nope. Uh, the old man version of Jafar, he did not have a scene in this movie. And then there's a bunch of new characters, uh, some of which were from older versions of the movie that didn't make it to the animated film. In fact, oh, wow. uh, in the original treatment of Aladdin back in the day, he had three street rat friends, and he was part of this group of four street rats that ran around Agrabah. Uh, so they took that and they put that in the show. And so there's these three new men. Interesting. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. And they are the buddies of Aladdin, all four of them. Their names are Babcock, Omar, and Kasim. And they're they're all different. They're very character, you know, like that character actor type of thing. There's one that's like very like flamboyant and silly. And then there's one that's very like Herculean. And then there's another one that's like the chubby one, you know. And so the four of them together made this funny group of street rats. And that gave Aladdin somebody to talk to when he's thinking of stuff uh, rather than having speaking to Abu or Magic Carpet, for example. Right. Uh, and it also added <gasps> did more. Did they not have Magic Carpet? They did not have Magic Carpet. <gasps> well, okay. Oh, my gosh. They had Magic Carpet in terms of the Whole New World scene, which was just gorgeous. They sang A Whole New World on the flying carpet. Uh, it showed up there, but there was no context to where it came from. It didn't. It did not it was sneak just out. Literally of cable a magic wonders. carpet. Yeah, it was just a magic carpet. Uh, but you know, I leaned into it. It was fine. They they did the magic carpet flying um, on top of the stage, so it did not go into the audience. But it was gorgeous, and they had sort of these uh, physical practical uh, lighting sets that looked like stars, and then they had projection mapping over it. So when they would turn it would look like they were flying in the direction they're flying in. Sort of like when you see, when you go into, um, when Chewbacca punches it and you see that thing in the background of them lighting. Oh, right. There was a lot of that going on. Gorgeous, beautiful. Um, Yeah, sidetrack. So Magic Carpet was not in it. And uh, (laughs) speaking of who else was not in it, Iago wasn't in it as a parrot. Man, they took out all the like sidekicks. Yeah. And this is one that really worked in their favor. So instead of being a parrot, Iago was sort of like this 
henchman Igor type of character to Jafar. He was a human being, but he looked a hot mess. The actor must have been like four and a half feet tall um, and had like these huge hips that that like they really made him look kind of clowny. And his face was always scrunched up like this guy is a really great character actor. And he stole the show. He was so hilarious. He would mock everything that's happening. He would mock Jafar and piss Jafar off. And he would just he was so animated physically with his body that he got a standing freaking ovation. At the end of this nice. show. Yeah. So this worked nice. out. And I, I think this worked in in the context of like the play aspect of it. It made more sense than having like a puppeteer with a parrot, for example. So wait, was it was his name Yago? His name was Yago. Yes. That's the one that they Okay, kept. so it was the same character just in human form versus the bird like were they similar characters yes very very similar okay um, interesting if not better and i think that's why uh these broadway shows work pretty well is using the examples of let's say genie and iago because the genie is played by a man there is no blue makeup or anything like that he's he's a genie and on the broadway shows genie and iago they sort of make it their own versus, you know, Will Smith's performance in the Aladdin live action movie felt like he was just trying to mimic Robin Williams, which you just can't do. 10,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. Hang on a second. Whoa! Wow! Does it feel good to be out of there? A few other new characters were Princess Jasmine's, I just call them like her help. I don't know. They didn't really have any names, but there was three of them. So both Aladdin and Jasmine got three uh, like friends, which is cute. And again, it, it helped with her dialogue. So instead of her talking to Raja, the tiger, she talked to these girls and they actually talked back. So there was conversations and dialogue about like what she should do right. or what's going on. Um, and they really had to extend this. This was a two and a half hour Broadway show, whereas the cartoon was like just a little bit over an hour. Um, there was a 15 minute, 15 minute intermission, uh, but it did feel long. And I will say my ADD or whatever, it felt too long. I wanted to like fast forward <laughs> some scenes if I could. Uh, uh, like I felt like there was little, some filler. A little too long. A little too long. And Is our most Broadway shows about that same length? Yes, I would say so. Every now and then you'll okay, get Okay, so the uh, show might be missing a little something something at some point where they could fill it in, make it a little more. Yeah, I think... Um, <laughs> I think because I already knew the story as well, I was getting a little impatient. Yeah, that definitely has a lot to do with it. And to that point, they added about, actually seven, they added seven new songs. So there was times where I'm like, all right, get to the point. Wow. Like, I know this is about to happen, but I'm like, what the heck is this song? I don't know this song. Uh, So there were seven new songs. Three of them were written by Howard Ashman before his passing, and they just didn't make it into the animated film. So they were able to bring these back to life uh, here in the Broadway show. And then Alan Menken um, added four brand new songs with another collaborator. So in total, there were seven new songs, which helped flesh it out into a full show. Uh, But like I said, the ones uh, that seemed to fill the gap between scenes that didn't need it, we're a little bit kind of annoying, but I think that's because I'm just so, um, ing- I know the storyline so well that it, it threw me off. Right. For example, uh, there is a whole dance number in Agrabah where the four street rats, including Aladdin, 
their whole thing is they're trying to be famous street performers. And that's what keeps getting them into trouble with the palace guards. And so they had this really whole fun number where they're like, you know, they have like the little bowls and things that they want people to put coins in and they do a bunch of fun stuff. So there's a lot of extras like that that make sense for the show. Just in my opinion, it was a little bit long. That sounds cute. I want to see some breakdancing, some Aladdin breakdancing. They had those MC Hammer pants on already, so. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So why not? All right, here we go. Just like the genie does, he likes to have some fun. Are you ready to play an Aladdin-themed game? Uh, uh, Aladdin. Aladdin! Hello, Aladdin. Nice to have you on the show. Can we call you Al or maybe just Din? How about Laddie? Sounds like, here, boy. Come on, Laddie. Let's do it. Here we go. Sure. So this game that I made for you is more or less about the 1992 animated film. So I tried to make it so most of our listeners and ourselves would know some of these answers. But they're pretty pretty deep cut. Oh, my God. But fun facts. Get ready for me to fail. It's been a while. (laughs) It's been a while. Okay. (laughs) Who did the animators use as inspiration for the look of Aladdin and Jasmine? Who did they use? Yes. And I will give you a clue. They were big name celebrity actors at the time. Okay. For some reason, I want to say Tom Cruise. You are correct. For Aladdin. Yeah. Ah! I wonder if I've heard that before, yeah, if I could just see it's it. It's brought up a lot as like a fun fact. I remembered that one. I didn't remember the Jasmine, okay. but I did remember Tom Cruise. And if you look at side-by-sides and profiles, it's pretty spot yeah. on. It's kind of cool. He does look like him. Um, and Jasmine, my goodness. Let's see. I'm going to guess the girl from Labyrinth. Stop it. How did you know? Am I right? Jennifer Connelly. Wait, what? Yeah, Jennifer Connelly. Am I right? You're correct. You are <laughs> correct, and I'm sure. First of all, what the heck? That's I was gonna say Demi Moore at first. Oh. And then for some reason she just popped in my head. I that is so crazy. And I was just gonna say they were both in Legend together around that time, but they weren't right. It's no, one else. was Labyrinth keep, and I one was think Legend. It's Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, particularly her How eyebrows. <laughs> she has beautiful, thick eyebrows, and so does Princess Jasmine. So That might be why I thought about it. I'm so impressed. I've always wanted her eyebrows. So impressed that you got that one. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I'll get all the other answers that are much easier wrong. Okay. Now, remembering back to the animated film, what did Aladdin use his three wishes on? I was worried you are going to ask me this earlier. I was trying to think ahead. I'm like, wait. <laughs> Um, okay, he used them. Well, you can't use it to make someone fall in love with you, right? Correct. It's one of the no's. So he wanted to be a prince. Yes, that was That's his one. first wish. His first wish is to be a prince. What was his second one? Um, second one was to be... Oh my God, I'm forgetting the second one. The third one was to release Janie, which is Aww. the sweetest thing on the. Yes. In any story, fairy tale. Um, but the second one, what would the second one be? Okay, so I don't fault you for not remembering it because it's quite a <laughs> plot hole. And it's. If this came out today, we would be talking about it or people would be mad. Oh my gosh. So, oh no, I'm very excited now because all I can think of is the one that the that Jafar made right. to be the all-powerful sorcerer or whatever. So what? 
So, <laughs> what d- is it? Despite all the rules that the genie broke down, apparently there was no rule that genie could make the wish for Aladdin. So what had happened around the time of his second wish was Aladdin was thrown into the ocean uh, by Jafar's palace guards. <sighs> Uh, there was like something attached to his leg. So he was literally drowning at the bottom of the ocean. Genie found out, right. went down to the bottom and used his hands to puppeteer Aladdin's face to wish to be <laughs> saved. I'm remembering this now. To get saved from the drowning. So his second wish was to be saved from drowning, which to me does not make any sense now that I think about it as an adult. <laughs> No. That's cheating. Now, he could, like, he's a genie. Can he not just save him? Right. And he did. <laughs> in fact, uh, the first fake wish that was not used was to get out of the Cave of Wonders. So Aladdin, using his just um, sarcasm, and he was teasing the genie that the Jeezy's not power- powerful enough to get them out of the Cave of Wonders. So that's how they escaped without using a wish in the very beginning. Uh, so to your point, that doesn't make any sense that he wasted one of Aladdin's wishes and forced Aladdin <laughs> to wish to be saved. Now, I'm bringing this up because in the Broadway version of the show, they fixed it. They retconned this. And what okay, happens is okay. uh, Aladdin is in the dungeon with his three street rat friends, all four of them. And he has the lamp like in his back pocket and they have to do all these like funny physical hijinks to be able to get the 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 genie lamp out of Aladdin's pocket because they're all chained to the wall and then they rub the lamp and then the genie comes and he wishes for him and the street rats to be released from the dungeon and that makes so much more sense okay so still getting saved yeah. however yeah. right <laughs> still getting saved still kind of like a waste of a wish but uh this time it was actually made by Aladdin what are you going to do <laughs> yeah Yep, exactly. So there's that. And yes, you're with correct. With consent. The third w- with <laughs> consent, yes. The third wish was, in fact, to release the genie so he could become a free djinn, which I found out, speaking of Miss Marvel. And I all love that, it. When I looked at the Wikipedia, the Disney Wikipedia, the genie is called a djinn. He is a djinn, and it's spelled the same way as Miss Marvel. So I thought that was a funny, weird, cool connection. Very cool. Um, okay, so you were kind of on to my next question. What did Jafar use his three wishes on? He used them all consecutively <laughs> like a loser. Oh, shoot, did he? <laughs> oh, I'm only remembering one. Okay, hold on. He he screwed himself in the end, though. Like, he said something he didn't realize. Uh, basically, he, he escalated enough. each time. He escalated his wish each time. And similar to the way Aladdin was uh, tricking the genie, Aladdin was pulling his same sort of, you know, that's like what he does. You know, he like play some mind games with you. Manipulation. Um, I think was the very first one to become an an all-powerful genie. No, that was the last one. That's the one that screwed him, screwed him up. So, so wait, what's the sorcerer one? Because there's a he, one of the ones is a sorcerer, right? Uh-huh. So you're going in reverse, which is perfect. So Genie was his third. Shoot. Sorcerer okay. Supreme was his second, a.k.a. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. <laughs> and then his very first I'm wish. I'm seeing a lot of uh, multiverse options here. Yes, for... totally. <laughs> his first wish is pretty dry compared to those two, but it's along the same lines of being powerful. 
oh wait oh he wants to be the sultan yeah yep and do you remember it like popped off the hat off of the old man and went on him yes it was so sad the poor little old dad i always feel so sorry for them like maurice from beauty the beast they're always like so sad and helpless (laughs) they are if anything he was the only character in the broadway show that i saw that was just like lifted from the cartoon he was very much the same Oh, like that's the cute. cute dad. Um, so yeah, so yeah. Jafar wished for a sultan and then Aladdin mocked him. So he goes, no, fine. I'm going to be the, a powerful sorcerer. He did that. And then Aladdin was like, no, you're never going to be as powerful as the genie. And genie was like, no, Al, what are you doing? That's horrible. Don't, don't, don't tell him about that. But Aladdin was a step ahead, one jump ahead. And when Jafar turned into a genie, he got sucked into the magic lamp and he's trapped there until somebody rubs That's right. it. And he's now at service of whoever, whoever rubs the lamp. He's stuck to them. And so and then after that scene is when Aladdin freed the genie because the sultan. I'm surprised they haven't made it. sequel because that seems like a like a setup for a sequel, doesn't it? <laughs> Excuse me. First of all, I do not remember Return of Jafar direct TV. Direct to video sequel. <laughs> I surely do not. Yes. And I am pretty happy that I do not. Yes. And what you are describing did happen. Somebody rubs the, it's a black oh lamp. My God. It's cool looking. Um, okay. So let's take it back a little bit. So the three wishes happen. My next question for you let's talk about Robin, Mr. Robin Williams. All right. The animators wanted Robin Williams to be the genie, they wanted it so bad. They wanted him so bad, and they, like, wrote the character for him without even talking to him first. So my question for you is, do you know how the animators pitched the genie to Robin Williams? Mm, I sure don't. I can't. They Nobody can act like him, so it's not like they could show him that it's made for him. Um I don't know. Send him a piece of the cartoon? I don't know. The funny thing is, I didn't know there was going to be a connection to this answer and Golden Girls 3033. So what the animators did was they took a bunch of his stand-up and then they animated it to the genie. Oh, my God. Full circle circle. right here on the Disney Holic show. I love it. And nobody could do Robin but Robin. So they said, okay, let's get Robin. That is so smart. (laughs) So smart. And he was in within like right away he was like i'm doing this this is fun <laughs> he's like well obviously yep. it's already me and but they did have a list of backups in case he didn't take it oh my god any guesses there's quite a lot any guesses of who they might be think of it as okay, like the 90s. 1991 right mm-hmm. was it 91 chris 92 rock. sorry 1992 chris rock chris rock i don't think he was around yet I don't know. I don't think he was. 91? 91. But no, not Chris Rock. Okay, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Yeah, he was like the Chris Rock. Oh, back yes. Then. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Murphy is right. one of them. Um. Okay. Oh, God. Uh, Gilbert Godfrey. Just kidding. Um, shoot. Sam. No, I can't think of anybody else who would fit the genie from that era very well. Uh, Seinfeld. <laughs> Not Seinfeld. So we had Steve Martin was on the list. Very cute. John Candy, Martin Short. Okay. John Goodman, and Albert Brooks or Al Brooks. 
Now, what's funny yeah, is I was like one generation later with my phone. Yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, I was more like late nineties, right? The some of these comedians did go on to do Disney stuff. So Eddie Murphy became um, the dragon with Mushu in Mulan. Uh, John Goodman. Haunted Mansion. And, and the Haunted Mansion movie. John Goodman went on to play Sully in Monsters, Inc. And Al Brooks is the voice of Nemo's father in Finding Nemo. Al Brooks is the only one that's not sticking for me. Who was he? Like, wh- who would I know him from? Um, he did a lot of those sort of adult comedies. Like, there's that one where you go to heaven and you find out, like, all the bureaucracy up there. I forgot what it's called. He has, like, curly hair, older guy. Does a lot of, like, Jewish jokes in his stuff. Okay. He's very, like, dad. He's very about. much like Finding Nemo's dad. Like, that's him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, they probably did the same thing to sell that game for him. <laughs> right? Probably. <laughs> um, so you mentioned Gilbert Gottfried. So he was actually not the first choice for Iago the Parrot, even though he, like, <gasps> made that character what it is. So Gilbert Gottfried was not the first choice. Two other actors turn down the role of Iago the Parrot. Can you guess who those two are? Okay, I'm going to go with who I almost said for the genie, and I'm like, absolutely not. That guy who was always screaming, Sam something? Sam. Sam Kennison or something like that. I forget oh, his I don't name. Know. He was like an actor with like, you know what I'm talking when about? When I think like of always screaming, with like long, shaggy hair. I think of Gilbert Gottfried. He's like, yeah, yeah, he's stuck on him now. Um, uh, I don't know who. Now I want to know which person you're talking about. Bobcat Goldwaith. <laughs> oh my God, that's who I'm thinking of. <laughs> Wait, no, there's two of them, but that's another that's one. one. They're similar. Uh, so it, yeah, he was Bobcat and that Sam Guyer, very similar style. Oh, that's funny. So the but two that turned okay. it down, who were huge at the time, Danny DeVito was the first. Oh my God. He was their top. Also went on to go to Hercules, right? And he played that little creature. He like literally looks just like his character. <laughs> yeah. And then Joe Pesci was the ne- the other person. Oh my gosh, great. Aw. Okay, I would have been happy with all of them, but I'm very happy with the choice they made. Yep, yep. Love that. Godfrey. Okay, so here's a fun trivia that um, I remember, even as a younger person at the time, was the, the lyrics in the opening song, Arabian Nights, sung by Robin Williams in the cartoon, had some questionable lyrics in it that were eventually changed as soon as it went to home video. That's when they changed it. Do you know anything about this or what those lines were? Yes. I don't think I can tell you the lines, but it was something about cutting off fingers. <laughs> yes. Very or close. something like that. Was it? Yeah. So the original lyrics were in the beginning from a far away. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to read it. <laughs> from a far away Damn place <laughs> where the caravan camels roam. I can't, I can't do it without singing There you it. go. Where they like, cut off. not right yeah. <laughs> Where they cut off your ear if they don't like your face. It's barbaric. But hey, it's home. So that's the original. Oh, Jesus. Cut off your ear if they don't like your face. Uh, the new version was, Oh, I come from a land from a faraway place where the caravan camels roam. And then here's the change. Where it's flat and immense and the heat is intense. <laughs> Boring. It's barbaric. But hey, it's home. So they changed that. <laughs> I think it's... A lot nicer, though. It is. And it is still very 
Well, not very. The other one's not very true in current. Well, I don't. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, and, <laughs> but and I'm, no, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm pretty impressed that this was in the early '90s. So the American Arab right. American Arab Anti Discrimination Committee. They're the ones who approached Disney and was like, you cannot have that lyric. Oh, wow. We are not happy about it. And so they worked with that committee to change it for the future releases and all future versions of the song. And That's interesting. Yeah. People talk often about the 90s being the first like PC era that we started really having because the 80s were just like, go for <laughs> right. it. Nobody cared yeah. about yeah. anybody else's feelings. <laughs> And then the 90s, it started, and then it kind of took a break, and now it's back. Um, but I wonder if that was the very beginning, because that's early. Yeah, that's, that's like, very early. That was probably late 80s or early 90s when that part of that discussion was going down, right? So, and I remember as a kid. When did it come out with that song? I remember the controversy as a kid. When did it come out? As, as soon as it went to home video outside of the theaters, it was forever gone. The old lyrics were gone. Oh, okay. So it did lyrics. get launched with the original song. Yes. That, and I remember those lyrics Got from the it. movies. Um, now, the other part of this is, yes, it's the 90s. It's early political correctness. So they didn't get it perfect. What ended up happening was they did leave that barbaric line in. And oh. the committee was upset that they didn't just freaking change the whole verse. And I, as soon as you said it, I still kind of got stung. Right. It was still like cringy. You're like, what's barbaric? So Disney's cop out was. I'm like, what's barbaric? They're talking about a desert. Yeah, like, that's exactly I mean... Disney's cop out. They were like, oh, we meant the heat is barbaric. Um, no, sorry. I guess it's not. Nobody calls it barbaric, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's got to be plenty of other adjectives that would work there. Right. All right. Well, they tried. Uh, so that's a fun little trivia, fun fact there. Um, my next question we've already talked about was, do you know the name of the direct-to-video Aladdin sequel? It was Return of Jafar. Oh, Jafar's Revenge. Return of Jafar so or is? Jafar's Revenge. We could call it whatever you want. Uh, but Oh, just kidding. I made it up. <laughs> it wasn't. In my head, I saw this whole movie take place that I never knew existed until 10 minutes ago whenever you mentioned it last. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't very good, but it wasn't bad either. But that was me as a kid thinking it was fine. Um, but even then as a child, I knew that there was something off about anything that went direct to video. Like I knew it wasn't as real, if that made sense. Uh, Wait, weren't we already like in high school at this point? No, this would have been like so 94 probably... or something. I think it came out pretty close after oh, Okay, I was in high school. Yeah. You were one more year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like a teen. For sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I was excited about the sequel. Now, they had a yeah. sequel. They had another sequel after that. Uh, it was like Prince of Thieves or something. And then they had an Aladdin TV series, animated series that um, I don't know if it was officially. Wow, I didn't know about any of that. I don't know if it was officially part of the Disney afternoon, but it was like on Saturday mornings. And the trivia question here is they did not get Robin Williams back to play Genie in any of these sequels. He was only in the theatrical movie. <laughs> Do you know who voiced him moving forward? Shoot. Now I'm trying to remember. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> no, but on the list. It was, it's actually a TV um, voice actor, Dan Cast... Tim Allen. Dan Castellaneta. Uh, Am I pronouncing his name right? He's the voice of Homer Simpson. That sounds familiar. The Simpsons. Oh my yeah. gosh. And they hired him to truly, to truly do an impression of Robin Williams. And I think he did like an, an okay job. Now that I'm home, home again, it's clear. All I ever wanted, she 
That's a hard drop. So, uh, yeah, he voiced him going forward after that. It's weird. Homer Simpson, and now he's part of Disney. Another weird full circle. Wow. That is weird. Now, to finish off I... our, our game here, and in honor of Robin Williams, I found a really, really cool clip that I'd like to play. And uh, this was from the Golden Globes. So Aladdin won, uh, it was nominated for a ton of awards when it came out. Uh, 1992 and then in 1993 during the award season it was nominated and won quite a quite a handful so it won the golden globe for best original score um it won the academy award aka the oscar for best music and original score um i didn't know this but the mtv movie awards were around back then <laughs> for some reason i thought those were newer um but yeah robin williams newer. won best comedic performance Aww. And this next award is the coolest of them all. I'm going to play the clip, and then we could talk about it after. All right, so setting the stage for you, this is the 1993 Golden Globes on television live, and the uh, host has just called up Bette Midler, the one and only, up on stage to present the next award, and she's wearing this beautiful, sparkling dress. A little bit short, but it's very pretty. Okay. Thank you. Tonight, for the first time in the history of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. What's the matter? Don't you like my dress? <laughs> the Board of Directors has elected to present a special award for a truly outstanding artistic endeavor. In their many categories, they are able to honor just about every type of work by an actor or actress. However, this year, there was a most unusual and outstanding performance which did not fit into any of the categories. It was such a theatrical treat, they felt it simply could not go unnoticed at tonight's celebration. Ladies and gentlemen, for his wit, his wisdom, his humor and heart, and most of all, for his hilarious way in giving new life to a character we have all known since childhood, the members of the Foreign Hollywood, the Hollywood, the Hollywood, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association take great pride in presenting their first ever no wonder I'm having such a problem. Special Achievement Award to the voice of Aladdin's genie, Mr. Robin, one and only, Williams. I didn't understand that, thank you. Aww. It's not an actual award, but thank you anyway. Thank you, it's um, uh, accepting, since it was only a voice, accepting for Mr. Williams will be Mother Teresa. It is very wonderful for him. Mother Teresa, is there anything you want? I want to direct. Okay. <laughs> He's doing a hand puppet, by Thank the way. <laughs> Baby, oh please, God. that dress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all right. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. And now he's looking at Bette Midler's dress. Almost time for the puppet show. Oh. <laughs> I have some people I want to thank. I'd like to thank Jeffrey Katzenbug. I'd like to thank, I'd like to thank her for so many things. My amazing wife, Marsha. God. Because living with me is a science project. <laughs> Moody! Shut up, let me finish. It's, uh, this is, I don't know what to do with this. Slip it under the door. Federal Express! 
thank you. This was, uh, this was a nice shock. Oh, uh, should I be and just keep thanking everybody? Okay. I'd like to thank Frank Sinatra. <laughs> just because, hey! And um, thanks. Thanks for this lovely award. Let me see. Special Achievement Award with obviously there's needs an organ donor. So please help. Thanks. This is really extraordinary. Thank you. This is. Gracias. Shalom. Thanks. Oh my God, the 90s. So that was at the Golden right. Globes. <laughs> And he was at the Golden Globes. Bette Midler presented. Yeah, and they created this award just for him, for the genie, because they, everybody was just blown away. And Wait, did I miss it? Did they have a name for the award? Uh, they're just calling it the Special Achievement Award. And then they went on to give that oh, away gotcha. every year after that. But they created it, the category for Aww. him. Yeah, and he was the first recipient. And what's funny is they didn't even have an actual statue. So you hear him talking about this award, but he's actually holding this big poster board that Bette Midler handed him that says Special Achievement Golden Globe. And there's like a hole oh in the God. middle. Like one in big check or something. Yeah, it looks kind of, I don't think it was supposed to be comedic at all, but it looks hilarious, especially how he was interacting with it. He was like, oh, you couldn't even give me a real one. Um, and then he was riffing with Bette Midler and they were doing this funny thing because the audience loved her dress and her skirt. And it just, you know, God, he just like brings joy. Just his voice. Just hearing him. Yeah. Aww. Totally. It's very sad. Um, I was going to say, I he's such a treat. And the fact that he created a new award because of that, that's so cool. And that's like numerous times that Disney has created new awards, I think, in general. Yeah. Right? Like this one, I'm going to give a little more to Robin Williams and Disney, but it's also part of Disney, right? Um, but like, for instance, when uh, Walt Disney got awarded for the first motion, first of all, the first motion length picture uh, cartoon or whatever. What is it called? Oh, yeah. That? With Animated the, they gave him the little motion picture. Little minis. Right. Like even just that award in general, they hadn't had that yet because that's literally the first one. But then also the fact they gave them the big Oscar and then the, the seven little Oscars to go with it is just like they have all these unique stories behind creating award, uh, so new cute. awards and new styles and whatnot. It's pretty neat. It's so true. When um, Beauty and the Beast was nominated for Best Picture, it was the first animated Oscar pick, Best Picture nominee. Um, shortly after that, they created a brand new category, which is Best Animated Film. So they definitely push the boundaries here and make people think about this enter the cool. entertainment that they create. Very, very cool. What's your favorite Robin Williams role? Uh, I, it's got to be the genie. I think so, too. It's just like, I was going to yeah. test it, but I don't I, think. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. And um, not part of the trivia, but when I was doing research, I was reading a lot of fun things about behind the scenes. And uh, the beginning... You know, the Arabian night scene that we talked about earlier. Do you remember? It's the genie, but he just looks like a regular man in Agrabah. And he's selling right. selling silly things like Tupperware. The way they recorded that, they wanted it to be uh, full Robin Williams improv, just like we heard right now at the Golden Globes. And what they did was they put a sheet over a table full of random objects. And the animators told him yes. to just start feeling it with his hands and describe and sell it to the audience. 
And so that's why he was coming up with all these weird things like Tupperware and things that don't even make sense. But it was so funny. Oh my God, and it I worked. love that. So cute. Then they had to draw on all these weird things. That's great. Yeah. There was like one where he's like, you could make this or Julian fries. Like he just made it up on the spot and didn't even know what he was actually touching. Oh, that's great. Uh, right. So yeah, unexpectedly, Mexico City reunited me with Agrabah, Aladdin, and the genie. And it was so fun to to both share the experience with y'all, but also do that fun game because I forgot how much I loved Aladdin. And then, you know, that was like a big milestone it, for us as kids. I always thought that was your favorite Disney film. Is it? It, it, it kind of is. I think when I don't know one, I usually say that by default. Uh, but it definitely, I think it is. I think it was my favorite film is in or my Peter childhood. Pan. And I love Peter Pan, the character. Maybe not so much the movie, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. I want to I want to be the boy who never grew up, but I like to watch the street rat. I don't want to be a street rat. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Ah, so my trip in Mexico City also made me think about Walt. And I thought, wait, I know Walt loved Latin America. And there's a lot of connections here with Walt in Mexico. So, of course, I went down the rabbit hole. Um, and there's just a few fun facts that I thought I'd share with you so we could talk about it and see what you knew, what you didn't know. Yeah. Uh, most of this was pretty new to me. So the most interesting takeaway here is the reason why Walt Disney decided to start exploring Latin America, specifically Mexico, was the U.S. government asked him to. I'm going to pause there. <laughs> what? But... What for why? So what? do you remember like at the Walt Disney Family Museum, there's that whole section about like how Walt and his animation studios helped the US like create propaganda and stuff for the world wars and mm -hmm. all that. Um, so it was a similar thing here. Uh, they asked Walt just as a private citizen businessman to be an agent of the US government or just a low profile sort of um, insider and go visit Mexico. And talk to the people there and get to know the different leaders there from the guise of a businessman to see what their political views wow. were in business. And I was thinking, that's so weird. And then I remembered that a few years ago when Trump took office, he also created like this e-commerce committee to do stuff like domestic and foreign policy. And Bob Iger joined that, if you remember. And so I guess that's a thing. And it had nothing to do with Trump. It's just gross because he it was he was the president. But I yeah. guess it's like a thing that they do. And I, I, I thought that was really interesting that these businessmen get to. It is very interesting. Do that And that they trusted him. At the time, the president was Franklin D. Roosevelt. So that's who entrusted Walt to go down there and do all this mm. stuff. Um, I did not know about this. There is a really gorgeous uh, cathedral down in Mexico City called the Basilica of Guadalupe. And so that was one of his favorite places that he said he visited. And when he was down there, he mingled with really cool people like Diego Rivera, who was the artist that was married to Frida Kahlo and also created a lot of Ooh. stuff. So he like rubbed elbows with these artists and these Mexican celebrities at the time. Um, the president at the time at Mexico, was his name was Manuel Camacho. And that president awarded Walt Disney with a, an award. Oh, my God. Here it comes. It keeps coming full circle this episode. They made up an award, I think. <laughs> uh, maybe they didn't make it up. But it was called the Order of the Aztec Eagle. And when Walt came to, down to his visit in 1943, they gave him that honor. And he won this. He got awarded this thing called 
the Order of the Aztec. Wow, okay. Uh, which is known as, okay, yeah, it wasn't made up. It's known as the highest distinction that the Mexican government can grant to any foreigner. Wow. Very, that's a lot. Very, very cool. And then some very of the cool. things very that. Very distinguished. Very distinguished. So he did stuff like that. Um, they also had him go on a tour of all of South America or most of it, not just Mexico. And then he started getting inspired to bring it back into his creativity. So it's not like, from what I understand, he didn't go down there to make a movie. He went down there for this foreign policy stuff and then got so inspired, all of his creative juices were flowing. And then we got stuff like Saludos Amigos and the Three Caballeros. All that stuff started becoming uh, a thing and were conceptualized uh, during his trips down there. And uh, the those, what's his name? He's from Tiki Room, right? He's one of the three caballeros who's actually from Brazil and not Mexico. Um, Carioca? It's supposed to be Jose Car- the same bird, is it? <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. So there's Jose. I mean, maybe it is, and I just never put that together. Uh, I, I mean, he has similar colors, right? He's red. Right. I never really thought so, about it until I was saying this out loud because I was trying to right <laughs> to uh, to clarify that some of the three caballeros, one of them is from I think Brazil, so they're not all Mexican, but that was influenced by his whole uh, Latin American trip, which is super cool. It's interesting too. Now I really want to know because it came out before Tiki Room for sure, right? Three caballeros. So, like, did they just name him Jose after that bird? I'm now I have to know these things. <laughs> Mike, what are you going to send me on this rabbit hole? <laughs> I know. Well, if you find <laughs> out, please let us know. Um, there you go. <laughs> and then just a couple of other uh, random tidbits related to his time, that, that era where Walt was working closely with the government. Um, I found out that the movie Bambi was funded by the U.S. military. Now, that's all I got out of it. I didn't know why or if there was an exchange of something, but it was around that same time where he was working with them. Um, and... They also released Cinderella and Snow White, Spanish language versions during that time as well, because he wanted that audience to be able to enjoy the characters he created. So it's very cool. I did not know that either. So there's Walt. Um, And recapping real quick on Jose, it is not the same bird because I was wrong. Panchito is the red parrot um, and Jose is green. Oh, okay. Carioca. Jose Carioca. Last name. Yep. And then who's the third one? Donald, right? Okay. Right? Oh, I, you, you got me for a second. Yeah, I was like, Donald wait Duck. a minute. Maybe it's Donald and he runs into these people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the three caballeros. But yeah, so Mexico and Latin America also held a place in Walt's heart. And that just made it more special when I was like walking around there. Like that, I just thought, Aww. how cool to come down here for one thing, and then be creatively inspired to do all these things that came back to us as Disneyholics, including like, you think of the Mexico Pavilion in Epcot, even though Walt wasn't around at that time, you know, that also took inspiration from his travels. And it's just a really cool full circle. Latin America too, I would suggest watching Walt and El Grupo, Mm. if you haven't already. I actually haven't seen that. It's like a, oh yeah, you should definitely watch it. It's very cool. A lot of um, footage from their trips to Latin America. I'm not sure if Mexico is in there, but I know it's about his South America visits. Wow. For sure. And there's these 
lovely videos of him dancing with like the locals. It's so freaking cute. I can't stand it. Ugh, it's like, it's like the first thing that pops in my head every time I think oh, about it. That's so cute. Well, anyway, um, Mike, thank you so much for sharing with us the Disney magic that you found in Mexico. I love the fact that we can, as Disney holics, see it in any place we go. And then it's even cooler once you start seeing the influence Disney has made on the entire world. It just kind of starts sticking out everywhere you look, right? Um, so I encourage everyone else to go on vacation next somewhere that's not Disney. If it happens to be, look for that Disney magic anyway. Um, and then what else did we talk about today? We talked about lots of Disney news, rumor mill, D23, people stealing R2-D2, so many <laughs> crazy things going on in the world of Disney. Um, but with that said... Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed episode 94 of the Disneyholics show. Follow us on social media at the Disneyholics. And if you want to get in touch with us, send us a message on Instagram or email us at fanmail at thedisneyholics.com. Caballeros, they say we are birds of a feather. We'll hop the amigos, no matter where he goes. The one, two, and three goes. We're always together. Oh, we have the stars to guide us. Guitars here beside us to play as we go. Means I caramba? Oh yes, I don't know. With three caballeros, three gay caballeros, they say we are birds of a feather. We'll hop the amigos, no matter where he goes, the one, two, and three goes, we're always together. Oh, we have the stars to guide us. Guitars here beside us to play as we go. We sing and we samba, we shout. Man, I really want to go to Disneyland.